0: You're listening to WERALP, Arlington 96.7. This is Devin Gallagher, host of Media on the Radio, and thanks for listening. Media on the Radio is a podcast that features conversations with media professionals. Everyone from creators of media to those who do the marketing and distribution. Today on the show, Jonathan Goldfuss shares his narrative of starting off the dot-com boom on the west coast, tracking some of his different work. He's done building websites for well-known brands, doing marketing plans, making videos, commercials. It's all leading to what he's working on now, which is a venture called Co-Productions. It's coproductions.com, And he's, what he's trying to do is create a marketplace for freelancers, and freelance teams to connect with clients, uh, to do projects. And as he puts it, it's a way to make freelance more viable. If you're a client that's looking for freelancers, if you're a freelancer looking for clients, take a listen to the interview. He explains it all. Also check out coproductions.com. Hope you enjoy it. I know you've been involved in working with agencies, working for
1: agencies, what were some of the early jobs that you had coming out of college? Well, when I graduated, I graduated in 1999 and wanted to be in the middle of the dot-com boom, right? I was just fascinated by the technical world, but not as a technologist per se. It was more about what is going on with all these people and why are they so excited about what's happening out there? So I talked to a friend of mine that, um had started at emory and transferred out into driving cross-country with me and moving to san francisco and seeing what we could see um and stayed on his uncle's couch for a couple of weeks and um at at that point in you know early summer 99 they were basically handing out jobs on the street corners uh, but you couldn't find an apartment it was just impossible to find a place to sleep so we got jobs in like two weeks uh, took us three or four months to find an apartment to live in. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he got a job with an it company and I took a job with an advertising agency. Actually got three job offers on the same day. Um, and, um, the, I took the one that seemed the coolest, right. Which was just people that were doing really fun, creative work and dressed however they wanted and had tattoos and, you know, had a ping pong table on the office, you know, that's, uh not the most responsible way to make a decision but that's what i did at the time just trying to figure out um how to be an adult <laughs> cool so um so you, you've gotten you cutting your teeth in the
0: in the agency world um and then what what was your as you developed what was your kind of specialty i mean accounts handling accounts what, what was would you say that you developed skills in
1: Within, in about six months, I went to work for hotwire.com a travel website, which had just launched. So it was a early stage and the, you know, the, the branding, the logo they have now, they did not have then. And so, you know, we quickly rebranded the organization. You know, I got a chance to work on marketing, advertising, production management, um, email marketing, and, uh, what they called community marketing, which is sort of the precursor to social media marketing. It was trolling chat rooms, looking for conversations about travel or about the brand. And I was at Hotwire for three years until they uh, were purchased by IAC, Expedia's parent company. And then the leadership moved up to Seattle. my wife's career had a, a change at that point, so we decided to move back to the East Coast to be close to our families. I went to work for AOL for a year, made just big-budget TV commercials um, with the Tuttles, who are the motorcycle guys um, from Discovery Channel. They mm-hmm. had a motorcycle mm-hmm. show, and they were yep. in, So I'd worked on that campaign, and then, um, you know, a number of different ads with the little yellow running man guy animation. I'm curious, you know, you you're talking about all of these projects
0: and all of these products that you've helped launch Um, and as far as I know you don't have a background in coding or in software development or video production even though you've worked on commercials
1: yeah it was all it was always about trying to understand the true decision-making dynamics you know that's the part that fascinates me the most why are people making the decisions they're making right and it's very hard to ascertain that sometimes, because people don't usually know. They're not conscious of why they're making the decisions they're making. We mostly make decisions emotionally and then we retroactively apply logical uh, reasons to justify why we made the des- decision we would have made anyway. Um, and so to me, that's fascinating. I mean, when I was at Hotwire, uh, we had a post purchase survey common, uh, especially in the digital world. And one of the questions was, how did you hear about hotwire and something like a quarter to a third of people used to say that they saw our TV ad. We didn't have a TV ad. We never had made a TV ad. And yet these people answer the survey and say, yeah, I I saw your TV ad. That's why I'm here. So again, to me, that's like, these people do not know. Why they're here they don't know how they heard about us how could we possibly understand why they're making the decision if they don't even know right so to me that's the part that really fascinates me about human behavior is better understanding why we're doing what we're doing and then designing those communications and the systems to take advantage of what's actually happening not what appears to be happening on the surface or what uh, the buyers might be telling us is happening. I was offered a full-time job at Think Food Group and they were just about to open their first restaurant outside of the DC area. Uh, and that was the bazaar by Jose Andres in, uh, in a hotel in Beverly Hills called the SLS. And so their senior leadership was spending a lot more time out of DC than they ever had before and hired me to essentially give the DC restaurants, the care and attention they needed from corporate, uh, even though a lot of their operations and senior staff was occupied elsewhere. I was essentially operating solo for the first year, year and a half, and trying to get marketing projects done in an environment that was far more constrained than one I had ever worked in before. Uh, You know, when you're at Hotwire or AOL or Discovery and you need a website, you either can build it in house with some very talented people or you can go hire an advertising agency and there's plenty of budget to hire some, a a great shop to do it. I think Food Group was not that way. One, because the industry, the, the hospitality industry really just doesn't value marketing in the same way than a lot of other industries do. To Jose Andres was the creative director. We didn't really need outside vision, but it, then again, Jose was one person and and his creativity was focused on the food and the restaurant atmosphere and the beverage and a lot of other things. And trying to get him <laughs> to concept with me for, for, for print ads or for emails just didn't make any sense either, right? So I found myself in this position where I had projects that I knew I could get done with agencies, but I didn't have a budget that could hire an agency. I was constantly short in the kind of talent that I needed to get the projects done and having to scramble and do a lot of things myself that I wasn't qualified to do. Um, you know, I had to learn a lot more about code, a lot more about hosting. Uh, I had to learn how to use Adobe Creative Suite a lot of times uh, to get things done myself because I couldn't afford to pay somebody else to do it. And, you know, w- what I couldn't get over was just this feeling of waste. By doing that for this conversation, we talked
0: a lot about the agencies and how they work and what you're saying with this situation was you didn't have the budget to hire an agency and sometimes there are projects that exist that you don't necessarily need an agency, but where do you go and what, how do you, you know, get access to the talent that you need? And so in terms of that issue, and and I feel like I know that there's a lot of clients out there that need, for example, my expertise to solve a problem, but I can't get connected to them necessarily.
1: Well, I mean, how do we find those people now? We call the people that we know that have expertise in the area and say, who do you know? Right. Can you refer somebody to me that does this thing? For the most part, that works. However, it was not easy. It was not quick. And I didn't have many options. If I found one person that had the skills and the availability, then I considered myself done with the search, right? Great found somebody, let's do it. And so that's not a great way to sort of optimize what it is that you're, you're trying to get done. A big part of it is that if you, if you have a project that needs more than one skill uh, you have to go through that process multiple times and you have to find all of those people and make sure they're available at the same time. (laughs) Right. And you find one, then you go to find the next one. And the first one becomes unavailable. Then you got to go find a first one again and then the second one becomes unavailable so you know you're constantly playing this game of trying to essentially find the people for the next time that you need them as opposed to going and hire an agency and an agency um supposedly has all these skills available in-house all the time but they're incentivized to sort of fudge around the edges right and say yo yeah we've got a great motion graphics animator, right? And then run back to the office and say, Hey, are you a motion graphics animator? No. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we got to find somebody. I think to a certain extent the clients have sort of caught on to that idea and realize that these agencies are essentially becoming more and more virtual, having to cut their own overhead and therefore hiring freelancers themselves. And so, you know, in the end you're hiring an agency in a big part because they have a bigger Rolodex than you do. They don't have a monopoly over these people. The, the people are out there in the market. They're not trying to hide. The alternative to the, let me call the people I know, is to use one of the current platforms like Upwork or Freelance.com. And that lacks the verification mechanism that you have in the old-fashioned method of you know going through your contact list.
0: And you had mentioned when we when we met for coffee that you said that some clients will hire multiple people to do the same job yeah. just because they can't guarantee that
1: Yeah, I mean I the the guy that I know that uses Upwork the most hires two or three people for every project and just has them work in parallel and doesn't tell any of them about each other because he's been left at the end of the of his timeline with no work too many times. Uh, and so he just he builds redundancy into his system.
0: Well, and from the freelancer video producer perspective, it's or even better, a developer that that spends so much time, you know, developing that skill. It's very, super technical, m- many years of study to do that. I use this term a lot. They have to rise to the level of their incompetency to then go and be a networker, be a a project manager, you know, somebody that's going to network to find clients. Sure. Why do they have to do that? There should be
1: some sort of mechanism. I mean, I know a lot of, a lot of people, designers and developers, mostly that have gone out on their own and realized that they so despise the business development process that they went back in-house even though they weren't excited about it and i'm sure a lot of them are actually
0: really decent at working with clients it's not about how their client management or their their personality or anything like that it's literally they can't develop the work they yeah, can't just,
1: they, they just are so allergic to you know things like cold calling and you know that it's just it's too painful for them and so they it, they can't be happy on their own because of the amount of time that's required uh, of being a salesperson so what would be the solution then to this problem? <laughs> <laughs> Let me think about it. Well, so
0: we're not hiding the ball. So you're, you're working on the solution now, which is co-productions. Uh, it's coproductions.com. Is that correct? Yes. So sorry. walk us through what what that is and, and how it's helping to solve this problem.
1: Sure. Well, co-productions is a network platform, a marketplace really for clients to be able to find and hire freelancers as teams. You can hire them as solo individuals as well, but the problem that it's designed to solve is when a client has a project that's too complex to be done by a single person, but the agency route just doesn't provide the value that they're looking for. Either it's too pricey or they just haven't felt like their needs are well uh, met by an agency and first and foremost, we at co-productions validate the professional experience of the people that sign up on the network. So you, you can't get into the co-productions network as a freelancer, unless you have a professional that's willing to publicly vouch for your skills. That's willing to say, yes, I've worked with this person. Yes. They demonstrate the skills that they claim. So, you know, that Solves the primary problem with the more anonymous freelancer platforms where you can't really be sure, right? These are people that are connected and you'll, you know who those connections are, but at a much higher quality level than say LinkedIn, right? On LinkedIn, I'm connected to a thousand people that I would never vouch for, but you can't be connected to people on co-productions unless you would vouch for them. Then once you've built out this interconnected web of connections to validate work experience, that also serves as the platform to build teams. In general, if you're a, say, copywriter, most of the people that you know and have worked with professionally are designers and developers and producers and directors you know the complementary skills that you would work with the connections the people that you use to vouch for your experience are also the people that you could team up with to to do uh, these projects
0: of course this the site um you're running it and it has to to sustain itself has to make money so how does how does the actual match work and how do how do people get teamed up
1: Yeah, you know, I would say again, it's a, it's a marketplace platform. I'm essentially functioning as a broker. I am developing the business, you know, right now I work directly with the clients to scope the project that they have a need for. I then send that scope document out to everybody in the network that has a related skill set. uh, call that and I request for bids. Once all the bids are in, you know, ideally somewhere between two and six per project, I will send the client a bid report. That just says, here are the teams that have bid on your project. Here's their individual information. So you can decide if these are the people you want to work with. Client selects a team. Sometimes they pick more than one. That's usually one team to be introduced to. Uh, and then co-productions charges 15% on top of what the freelance team uh, is charging. So the client pays a 15% premium uh, to co-productions uh, to essentially find, and then I handle the, the contracting and uh, billing for the project as well.
0: To me, it sounds pretty good because especially from a freelance perspective, you're not paying any additional finder's fee or anything from that. And also you're not ha- having to handle some of the overhead that's required for the project as well.
1: From the freelancer standpoint, the, the benefits they get first and foremost are they don't have to do business development. The network is driving projects to them and, and there's nothing to lose. Yeah. There's no there's no cost or obligation for freelancers if they sign up. Um there are some other companies that have started in the space that um you know charge freelancers a a sign-up fee of, you know, as much as $500 just to find out about the work. Um you know, my philosophy on that is that freelancers in general are don't have the financial stability that um, would be reasonable to expect them to you know, walk into a platform for the first time and, and hand over $500 without ever knowing if that money is going to come back. Um, you know, the, the way I look at it is the freelancers are the product. They're the, they have the skills, they're the experts, and you know, the, the clients would otherwise have to hire an agency to do the same work and pay two to three times as much so a 15% f- uh, fee to them is barely noticeable compared to the savings they're getting by going to freelancers. It's interesting because the network is remote to a certain degree and as you said it's
0: interconnected so that there's a lot of people that know each other already that may be working together. Have you thought about not necessarily that's definitely not a brick and mortar place but have you thought about having happy hours or creating some so- sort of physical social oh, absolutely. environment around absolutely. it?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean the overarching mission of co-productions is to make freelancing a more viable uh, employment option for really good, talented people. And the way that I'm trying to achieve that is by making freelance teams more agency-like. All the different ways that you can make the teams more agency-like, you know, include things like having happy hours right having uh, regular in-person meetings uh, i do have a uh, conference room space that i make available to the freelancers when they want to meet in person it's lonely to be working alone all day long every day even if you do know somebody else that's doing the same thing on the other side of town it's nice to be able to get together and grab lunch or have a drink or uh, you know just grab a whiteboard and, and talk about an idea in a way that you can't do if you're 100 percent virtual
0: even one and a half years into full freelance, uh, that's what I'm looking for. So I think you can get by, or at least I could, um, get by, you know, in my home office doing my thing, making my French press coffee. And then eventually, you know, you want, you want some sort of connection. And, uh, so that's, that's really cool. That sounds really good.
1: Yeah. And, and, the projects that I've worked on where a team came together and worked on the project that was great during the project. Then when the project was over, the team disbands, and then you lose that. One of the things I'm hoping that we can achieve with this network is you build a team on one project, you form strong relationships, and then that team can bid on the next project together. And they're a cohesive unit already. So then you know each other's work habits. You know each other's communication foibles, um, and you know the dream is we launch a thousand new agencies from this platform. That you know people like working together so much that they decide to formalize their uh, their relationships to each other and create their own company. You know I think that would be fantastic.
0: Well, that's cool. I really appreciate you taking the time, and I am sure. A lot of people listening are very interested and hopefully we'll sign up. We'll check it out. It's called co-productions. It's coproductions.com, So check it out. Check out the back episodes on weight, dot This is Devin Gallagher, host of media on the radio. And thanks for listening.